Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Before we get to the program, I'm going to do some admin. In addition to that bumper that you hear at the start of every episode of Now and Again, the Cage Club Podcasting Network is now on Twitter, at Cage Club Pod. Give that a follow for all the normal stuff and news you would get from Cage Club, you know, like scores, trade rumors, injury reports, things like that. Additionally, Now and Again is looking to start its retro episodes, and you can help. We need 12, count them, an additional 12 songs from the year 1998, the year of the first Now volume. If you want to hear us talk about a specific song, all you have to do is write into the mailbag, nowandagaincast at gmail.com, with a question, comment, or review about one of the songs that we have covered. Hell, even an anecdote that relates in some way to one of the songs that we've covered. As long as you're willing to have it read on the air. Somewhere in that email, add the song that you want us to cover, and we will shout you out on the retro episode. Just to make sure it's a somewhat pop culture relevant song, we're not looking to cover track 11 from that obscure band's album that you love so much, but we're looking forward to hearing from you and kind of crowdsourcing these retro episodes. All right, on with the show. It's wet hot American summer 2001. The United States files an antitrust suit against Microsoft, Aaliyah's plane crashes, and the Bush tax cuts are signed into law. And this is That's What I Call Music, now Volume 7. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. This is now Volume 7, July 2001. With us today, you might have heard him on the last episode. He popped in for a bit. It's oh, great, <laughs> Joe Bruno. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Um, I, after the couple beers I needed to get through some of these videos, uh, I feel much better now. Yeah, I feel bad. Um, you are on an episode that is... Uh, the volume is not great. Hopefully the episode is good, but the volume is not great. I was about to say I feel like I've I've brought you to go see the room, but I have actually brought you to go see the room. So, I mean, this is par for the course of our friendship. Well, honestly, but uh, even just much like that night, uh, it was more impactful than you might know because this is the Now album everyone was listening to when the towers came down. Right. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to. This is like the last. This is the last Now when we were innocent, like when America well, yeah. had its innocence. Uh, I mean, Noriega and all the Contra aside, you know, yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, no, we were all listening to this when the towers came down. Uh, and I was like, wait a second, Survivor. I remember jamming to this my sophomore year of high school. Uh, and I looked up when it was and it charted before the 11th. And I was like, oh, man, no wonder Survivor is such a big deal. <laughs> I mean, I know that I was definitely listening to The Bouncing Souls, How I Spent My Summer Vacation, because that album, like I specifically remember that album came out like the end of August. And the back of the album is the Bouncing Souls logo smashing the World Trade Centers. So I have a very specific memory of that album and that time. Uh, But speaking of which, other than being glued to the TV for like six months at a time and mission accomplished speech on a like a a jet carrier. um, It's not that kind of show. (laughs) Yeah. Where were you, Joe, in like July-ish summer of 2001, back again when America was still innocent? And never my freshman year of high school, huh? Um, definitely still wearing a denim jacket. Um, <laughs> You're not so Canadian, Walker, though, right? 
No, I have no Canadian roots, uh, but I was a big fan of their tuxedo styles. Of course. Uh, from, from looking at pictures. And I think this was before the year I had actually down to my shoulders long hair, uh, which there is one surviving picture of, and none of you know my Aunt Katina. Yeah, whoa, I cannot imagine you with long hair. Yeah, most people cannot, and they want to meet my Aunt Katina, and I will squirrel her away so no one sees that. I imagine it looks like in those movies when they show like a character's 80s high school yearbook and they just Photoshop a mullet onto them. I'm imagining you with that. Uh, it's similar, but when you're captain of the JV volleyball team, uh, I thought volleyball was still a hippie thing. Turns out it was not, and eventually I cut my hair. But this was when I was still like, jean jackets are great. I should put a pin or a patch on it. This is really stylish. So July of 2001, I was in the throes of uh, that what I'm what I refer to as like my rebellious stage, but it was really like, no, mom, I'm gonna go home to my friend's house and play Dungeon Dragons all night, and you can't stop me. I think we were all, I mean, not all, but I mean, <laughs> you and I, at least for certain, were in that secret nerd phase of our lives for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I was still there. I was still an angsty kind of an idiot, uh, but I just discovered System of a Down um, earlier this summer. And I was all about that first album, you know, with um, Sugar on it and all that great stuff. Uh, but this was months before Toxicity came out, which was, I think, their blow up. Like, they blew up after that. Yeah. Uh, Chop Suey, I think, was the real song that shot them into the into the stratosphere. Yeah, that was eighth grade into freshman year. So I was still all about that because, you know, I was still in the rock. I hadn't quite discovered hip hop yet, but I knew, like, I, I remember all these great hip hop songs and I couldn't get them out of me. Because I guess I'm still a blues man at heart, even though I was like, nah, metal. Okay, so we we are the same like uh, age slash class. Um, mm-hmm. Most most of the guests I'm I'm younger or older than, which is is mostly actually older than, which is terrifying. So <laughs> I guess we, maybe we're gonna have similar experiences. You know, it's this is not a political podcast, but we it's 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 fun to get into kind of our our memories of politics at this weird time that was it seems so contentious but now seems so novel. Sure, sure, I sure. guess this episode and the next episode will be episodes to uh to ask this question but like do you have a memory of like where you were when the towers came down? Absolutely. This is our JFK. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's okay. So we our, our president wasn't killed but this was this was a shift in everything American at that point. You know, the the whole word of what the the adjective American changed on from September twelfth until today. JFK's like lingering image is like him in the motorcade. Bush's lingering image is like someone whispering in his ear in a kindergarten class. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's not even the gravitas for most of us. I mean, for most of the country, it was uh, oh my god, this is a terrible thing. It must have been. I bet for the rest of the country, anywhere outside of this this tri-state area that we currently live, it must have been how the most of the country felt about Pearl Harbor. Like, oh my god, this thing happened on American soil, but far enough away where I can like pretend to care and feel really bad about it. But I mean, for me, 10 a.m. in the cafeteria, because I had the fourth period lunch, sitting across my friend Evan, uh, Jeremy on my left side, and my cousin at the end of the table... Watching, you know, the one tower is half crumbled, and that's the picture spewing smoke, and the other one just got slammed into again. You know, I was in the cafeteria, fourth period lunch, wearing my denim jacket, and just me and my friend Evan, who was the manliest dude ever sophomore year, because he could grow a beard. We just we just flabbergasted, and that's that's where I was. There was, you know, there's no taking that away. I was also in school, obviously, um, sophomore year. 
I went to a Catholic high school. I was in my religion class, and I remember this very clearly because my friend's mother was the teacher. And I think I knew that something was weird throughout most of like the first period. Um, but as we got into second period, we're kind of there. We're just doing our regular thing. I don't have a, much of a memory of before that. But then I remember that our campus minister comes in, and I guess he was going from class to class, and he's like, um, this is serious. Um, there was a... I think he said there was like an accident or there was an explosion in the World Trade Centers. And uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but someone like raised their hand and like asked to clarify. And I remember his response to that very clearly. He's like, no, no, they're gone. So we didn't get this information until they were both like dust. And I remember just the rest of the day because we're like, like both of us are in New Jersey schools a lot of kids, like, cell phones were banned. You think the Nokia bricks is what mm-hmm. we had. Uh, people did not give a shit about policy. They were outside calling parents because they had parents who worked in uh, in New York City and possibly even in the World Trade Center. Like, the, the gravity of it did not hit me until I got home. And my mom was on the couch when I got home from school and did not leave the couch for days just watching like wow. the 24 hour news. And I remember that was the first time I really saw what had happened was when I got home and I was like, Oh, Oh wow. And just going, Oh, this is a big deal. Yeah. And going online to like, everyone belonged to some community at that point, like where, who yeah. was our age? Um, for me, it was something awful and just posting for like hours on there with people like, what is even going on? Is this going to keep yeah. happening? Like where, what is, so the, uh, that August, I started to, uh, I started, you can start, you can join the fire department when you're 16 years old. And I turned 16 before most of my friends. So that August, I went to the fire department. And I was like, well, my dad was a fireman. I'm going to join up. This would be a lot of fun. My dad said it was great. He didn't have to wait in gas lines. That's wonderful. Then I started joining it. I was at meetings and I was like, not responding to calls, but there and stuff. So I couldn't join when I was officially 16, which was October. But I was at the station um, the afternoon after and, uh, they said it was just everybody was on call in every New Jersey firehouse. Every station was on call because every truck was ready to go and you would respond and cover places like Jersey City and Newark and Bergen because they were pulled in for that whole thing. So the whole of this area was on edge. And that's something we still feel today with bumper stickers and all that stuff and uh, uh it's tough to like you said on the couch for weeks it's tough to get rid of that that visceral feeling you get especially when you think of now songs i mean it, it's it's interesting because like i talked about this that that one album that bouncing souls album that was very ingrained in my mind um like if we're gonna jump right into like pop like pop was not the thing that i was paying attention to at that time i think like i've mentioned before that i was starting to get into punk this is kind of that point where Bush goes from being like the cowboy president to like a war criminal. <laughs> like it's star- well, it starts yeah, to tip the, the war- scales here. Trying to be a war president, he tried to he did his best Eisenhower impersonation. Right, like it's the scales won't it won't be revealed that the scales will have fully tipped until like two thousand three, two thousand four. At that age, like we are not able to kind of protests and like be out there and have our voices heard or anything like that so i think my own personal protest was like listening to a lot more 
terrible punk <laughs> like the bad no effects and anti-flag and stuff like that and yeah. that that'll start and we to come out trained as students either like we weren't the sure the old high school students that you know in the 60s and 70s were aware of this kind of stuff we had lived in basically the clinton bubble and the grace period where we didn't have to think about that like at all like i remember um being told to pray for soldiers in the gulf war but what was that that was so far removed in decades ago right yeah i mean our it wasn't like three thousand people are dead it was like president gets his peepee sucked like that and that like we're not old <laughs> enough to really know what that even is at that point oh the good old days <laughs> right i mean even now like talking about this terrible thing it seems so almost like almost like it was from a simpler time which is fucking insane yeah, and even after that, it's uh, you know, I I teach students that are born in two thousand three, two thousand five, and I'm like, ugh, kid. Oh yeah, you'll have your moment, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm having conversations with kids, like adult conversations with kids that were born after nine eleven, and every time that crosses my mind, I just want to throw myself off of a bridge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, my, I think you're right. I wasn't listening to pop around this time either, but. Uh, I, I kind of grew up on it. Like my parents grew up in the, uh, the the classic rock era, so I grew up listening to blues and all that stuff. And uh, my mom was convinced Michael Jackson was great, even though she was still had a huge lady boner for Elvis all her life. So uh, I, I grew up knowing, listening to good music. And uh, when I was living in you know, Old Bridge and when I uh, traveled around, there was always pop music everywhere. You couldn't get away from it, and I was consuming it totally by accident, even when I was trying not to. So most of the songs that we're gonna suffer through, we uh, <laughs> you know, it, it it permeated us because we were all listening to the media, and even if you were watching TV, you were listening to the radio during this time. It was still we're listening for news of what happened, the attacks, mm-hmm. like what's going to affect. Are the firemen still there? Do they find more people? Because they were finding people for weeks, or like right. weeks, they were finding people and things and traumatic stuff on the tv and radio you keep listening and then you just happen to interject some random shit like music into it and music played a large part with the uh the 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 concert that they put on like the new york is back concert you know remember that like yeah. that was that oh, was yeah. a big thing like music has moments at this time and, and music always kind of thinks it's more important than it is <laughs> yeah tell that to Crosby Stills Nash and Young <laughs> You brought up a good point is that pop music is kind of ubiquitous and we've we've hinted at that before, but we've never we've never really quantified it. Like we don't all have phones with MP3 players. Um at best you have a CD player that runs on like three double A batteries um and is oh, skipping sure. with every bump of your bus. Um you're <laughs> in the mall constantly because that's what you do when you're fifteen. Uh so you're constantly hearing this mm-hmm. pop music pump through the the speakers there. Um, it's it's at yeah. school because and you're angstly you're angstily cringing as like ugh another one of these songs but inside you're like man I can really get used right to I hope beat. my friends don't notice that I'm tapping my foot <laughs> to uh, the new in, the new NSYNC yeah. song and I was so in the throes of denial up until you know college and I was like you know what Fuck oh it. yeah I'm all in on everything I mean that's totally <laughs> been a, a big uniting strand throughout this is that everyone who their 14-year-old self would not admit that they were into pop music was, like, totally feeling a lot of these songs. But, yeah, they were just everywhere. And 
like TRL was in its fullest swing, like morning radio, like anyone from this tri-state area we've brought up before, like the Z100 morning show, like that's what you heard. Z100 morning show, yeah. Like, we all know the, the name Elvis Duran because of that, even if we haven't listened to him in over a decade, like he's still there, but like he is such a part of 2000 to like 2005. Yeah, and you can even tell like in this area, you remember the only rock station we grew up with, right? In the New York area? Um, classic or modern? Because you had 104.3. 90, 92.3. 92.3 for the modern rock, yeah. Yeah, K-Rock. It was around like, I think it was um, later high school or beginning of college. Around this time, they had a huge dip in their uh, listeners and they, they became a pop Yeah, that station. happened like mid-college. Like, yeah, it's so everywhere that rock stations are just dying because, I mean, pop is everything. Everyone wants to, even if they don't want to hear it, Every it, there's something for everyone in pop somehow. I mean, hey, tune in in two weeks for Side B when we talk about what is probably the best string of rock songs on a now, and it is still pretty dire. <laughs> I mean, we, we you, I'm sure everyone gives Nickelback a lot of shit, but they're making bank. I mean, we have 2001 Aerosmith on this album fucking woof oh, yes i know i love it i'm so excited i'm so excited i can't wait to disagree about how great some of these well, things let's, are let's dive right in uh track one of a now always starts with their best foot forward and on now volume seven we've got destiny's child with survivor So I had I did actual research. I did more research for this than I'm doing for some of my master's degree assignments, and I'm super proud of it. I, I am very um, I'm honored. Yeah, oh, don't be. I, I was. This is mostly distraction. So, so um, this Survivor was wonderful. I love it. I I think that there is a huge. So Beyonce Knowles is missing out on a huge market. I would read any self help book where she yells any self affirming resolutions at me. I will listen. I will buy any audiobook where she narrates. Okay, so <laughs> that's pretty funny because I have, um, I definitely made a big note of the lyrics of this song because <laughs> let's just get it out of the way immediately. The music on this song is absolutely fucking killer. That synth, that synth string line is awesome. The 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 um like the drum machine disco beat is awesome it's it's driving it's pushing the song forward and destiny's child their voices and their harmonies have always been like aggressive not just in the um in the performance but in the mix it's right out front it's it's higher than everything else it's more in your face and this song is i think this might be the most we have bootylicious on the next now um oh it's a good that's a good same album i think this yes i think this still might be the most quintessentially destiny's child song of all of them it's so driving and it's so just like right in your face and in your ears i i made a note that with you know the chorus is that i'm a survivor like and everyone's in on that but then the the verse they're doing that thought i couldn't breathe without you i'm inhaling and like that exact same vocal line kind of melody just driving through the entire verse it's uh it's like a chorus of its own it's like a that that serial came out like a couple years ago. Like, oops, all berries. It's like, oops, all chorus. It's just mm-hmm. constantly yeah, a chorus. Yeah, and uh, the best part of any pop song is the refrain that everybody knows. Like this forty percent, that's eighty percent of the song is refrain, and it's great. 
Um, what I what I remember at the time when this came out, because like we're all um, closeted pop pop fans uh-huh. at this point in our lives, um, was that Destiny Child had like member issues throughout most of the thing. Yes, and um, the original members that did most of it and helped write the song are not there. And as I did my research, I was like, oh, she was getting sued because she didn't credit them. Yeah, so this song part of this. almost feels like it is, um, like, especially now that we know what Beyonce is, like, I mean, maybe we're kind of, or maybe I'm kind of placing The queen that. of everything, you right. mean? <laughs> it really does feel like she's kind of punching down at the members who aren't there anymore. Like, thought I wouldn't sell without you, sold nine million. Like, that is <laughs> yeah. kickflip, out of the room, middle fingers up, sunglasses yeah. under your sunglasses. Like, and she is she has the most screen time in this video. Everyone else is like, okay, we're clipping the clipping the ocean spray, clipping the ocean spray, and now you're with Beyonce or both of you back to Beyonce, some palm trees back to Beyonce, and let's keep going. Yeah, with I think it. she's got two verses. Um, the girl from Freddy vs. Jason, I think that's Michelle. I could be wrong <laughs> about that. Has a verse, and then the other one, the the newer member, has the bridge. Which, oh man, if you were talking about self help, the bridge of the song yep. is terrible. <laughs> I will say that out that, of context, but yeah. Um, the the oh no, it's Kelly. It's Kelly Rowland. I think is the Freddie vs Jason girl. Um, her verse is like uh, where it's very like they gave her like the hypocrite verse where it's like um, not gonna blast you on the radio, not gonna hate on you in magazines, not gonna compromise my Christianity, not gonna diss you on the internet. Mama taught me better than that. It's like no, you're doing all of those things. <laughs> But like, but in the the most backhanded, wonderful pop way, like yeah, if you're gonna insult somebody in the media. That's the right way to do it. And then other girl comes in with uh, the bridge where it's <laughs> that's like full name other yes. first name other last I think name that girl. That is Michelle. Um, after all the darkness and sadness, soon comes happiness. If I surround myself with positive things, I'll gain <laughs> prosperity. Um, quote the secret, like 2008. Like this. <laughs> It is. Yeah. It is so. Put the it most, out there, and the universe sends it back. Yeah, it is the most like Tony Robbinsy bullshit <laughs> in a song that is just um, driving and brutal and like coming at you in your face, but so good. Like this song is. I, I it really was the crescendo of their entire uh, thing. This is and if you're looking at Friday Experiment of Storytelling, this is the climax. This is the top because um, their next album was a couple years later, uh, Destiny Fulfilled. This is their second to last album. Yeah, I think this is probably peak Destiny's Child. Like I said, we do have Booty Delicious coming up, and that is a good song. But I think this is really the most. This is what I want the most out of Destiny's Child. Yeah, like this was the this is I mean this is the long springboard of Beyonce's career, and it hit uh absolutely is is it's, it's the right lead in for this absolutely epic album. Yeah, I mean we're we're. <laughs> We are starting at like a nine and a half, and we are going to yep. drive straight off of a goddamn cliff. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but like I said, uh, I, I will reiterate the point that I will buy any self-help book Beyonce yells at me. Oh, my God. Yeah. If I could – if someone told me like two months ago, like, hey, we're going to end your life right now in an extremely painful way, but you will be reborn as one of Beyonce's twins, I would take it in a heartbeat. <laughs> In a second. That's easy. Like, I can imagine even her insults are classy, like they're backhanded and in a song, but I'll listen to those. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's it's the song is almost so good that I have as little to say about it as some of the songs that are just trash. Um, it's, like, it's like the tens and the ones I have nothing to say about because they speak for themselves. <laughs> uh, the real bread and butter of this podcast but- is the fives, but I mean, anything else about Survivor other than that it's great? The video is... 
I mean, hey, look, everyone in Destiny's Child is fucking gorgeous, and they're all dressed like Starbursts, and <laughs> they're in the set from uh, J-Lo's Waiting for the Night video, but also it's Aztec. Yeah. If they can be Navy SEALs, I can be Navy SEALs. Oh, yeah, they're totally doing the camo thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a great video, uh, but you didn't need a great video because these guys had songs that uh, their songs transcended the video. Yeah, it was it was just a, a place to sing, and it, yeah, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. It was a good song that we everyone. It, it was like you said, a great lead, and it's gonna fall off the cliff. And I'm super pumped. Uh, let's move on and let's talk about Janet Jackson's "All for You." As I listen to it, I'm like, Janet, I don't know if I remember the song. I yes. remember the song. I didn't know the name of the song, but I remember the song. And it's still fun. It just, it feels like that early 90s hook was super irritating at first, and it sounded like it, but then I felt like more of a child listening to her because I felt like a child again. So, an interesting piece of trivia about this now. This is the only track on this album that reached number one on the Billboard charts, which is Get out of town. bananas. I mean, this is a bad album for sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Survivor not making it? Like, there's at least one or two of the rock songs that were very prevalent uh, at this time, and I'm kind of surprised that they didn't make it there. So I listened to this song. Uh, Nico, who has been on previous episodes, is a, a big Janet Jackson flag bearer. And <laughs> and I listened to this song with some of the things he said about this era of Janet in mind. I heard some new things that I wouldn't have had the ear for if he didn't say some of the things he said, the production is kind of bad. Um, her, whatever they're doing with her voice, it's very breathy and very airy, and it's kind of buried under the the music. Um, More sexual. I guess that's what they're kind of trying to do. Um, it's like a funky, it's funky musically, but I mean, overall, it's just kind of there. Like, it's good, but if you're going to tell me, like, this is the one that skyrocketed at this era, I, I would never have guessed that. I, it might just be a Janet Jackson thing because she's still great. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing is it's it uh, it made me. I watched the video twice, getting through it, and I was like, "What makes me love this so much?" And I, it, it doesn't mean anything when I say classic Janet, but it really feels like it. No, I think it does mean something because I wrote down that the breakdown, um, but the breakdown sounds very different than the rest of the song, and they do this choreographed dance, uh, and it's very like Rhythm Nation, <laughs> Janet. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And it, it looks, it doesn't, I guess this is what 2001 looked like with the baggy jeans and the tight shirts. And was this everyone's idea of California where convertibles are always driving by in the seagulls? I didn't know that. Ton of, uh, ton of CGI in this video yeah, as well. Weird, weird CGI. It, Janet Jackson is the Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also speaking of a uh, menace, um, uh, when, at the, near the end of her video, she's got that ripped up black shirt with a sequence bra. You see through it, and I'm like, ooh, that's a real foreshadowing of that Super Bowl. Oh, you think she was putting some, some dabbling some hints into her early videos? Like, hey, these titties coming out soon. I mean, do we all know how fate writes our story? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, a... I, I, you're right. I couldn't tell you what made this song amazing, except that I kept, I watched it, I watched it a bunch of times, and I just didn't want to stop watching it. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, it also makes me wonder, like, I guess that that Jackson jaw structure is just marvelous, no matter what Janet, what what Jackson child there is. Like, they all have perfect mate, perfectly structured 
jaws and faces. <laughs> yeah, and their faces all definitely evolve over time, which is uh, certainly something. <laughs> yeah. There's, um again, go refer back to previous episodes with Janet to really uh, hear this more in depth. Um, but Nico talks about how she's trying to balance, like, her nutty professor, like, I'm a I'm acting in kids' movies kind of thing with her mm-hmm. with her desire to write, like, more adult sexual lyrics. And there is... Velvet Rope, the album before Right, this. slipped into this is the lyrics, got a nice package, all right, guess I'm going to have to write it tonight. Um, you probably didn't notice oh. that because the production on this song is oh. so bad and breathy. Um, <laughs> I did not notice that. I, I mean, I noticed... I mean, she dances the way she's always danced, and it's 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 typical nineties, eighties, nineties, two thousands video line dancing. Right, line dancing is a really good name for it. It's just like three lines of people, the 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 leads in front. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, that's the whole. And video. you know, like uh, the worst dancers in the back. Okay, we got it. You're gonna split. You're gonna come back, and you're gonna. There's gonna be a lot of elbow work. Okay, got it. Yep. Oh, lots of elbow work. That is the biggest thing is elbow <laughs> work. Good call. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's 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 fine. It's yeah, but number one, but that's, number one, yeah, first number one. That's the thing that I can't get down with is is this being the standout track of this album. I think I'd put it top four probably, uh, but I mean, Destiny's Child is so much better. That's that's indicative of us as a generation versus the previous generation. They grew up on Janet Jackson. My cousin is maybe six years older than me. She lived right through bad. You know, Michael's mm. bad and that whole and the rise of Janet. So Janet was she was the classic the, the classic hit maker. She made great stuff for years and it's like, oh Janet Jackson's back. You know, um that that's prob that might be why. And also the older people they had more money to spend on CDs to buy. Yeah, that's a great point. And we were not buying CDs. I mean, I wouldn't have bought Destiny's Child because my friends would have seen me buy Destiny's Child, but mm. I was damn well listening to it on the radio for free. Yep. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Is the whole process of buying albums like we certainly weren't doing that at fourteen or fifteen. Twenty bucks was an album. That's like what I was getting. Uh, my my allowance at this age was um, here's twenty five bucks for the week. Whatever you don't spend on food at school, <laughs> you can have, and that just meant that I didn't eat. <laughs> yeah. Me. So my uh, my my freshman year is I started working when I was fourteen. Uh, I got a job at a bakery and I would work before school sometimes, but definitely after school and on weekends. Um, and that was a great job, especially for a young tubby kid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then it was the the summer after freshman year where I actually started working construction with my father. So every bit of dollar I had, had a very specific amount of effort attached to it. <laughs> so I knew that like at $15, like that's an hour of backbreaking work. <laughs> So I'm absolutely not spending money on buying Janet Jackson's album. And I'm not buying Survivor, but I know they're going to play it at least 4,000 times in Z100 in two hours. I feel like a good episode of now, like a good side episode, would just be like me and someone else watch MTV at like the same time, like at prime time for like three days, and then just talk about like what the hell even is MTV now, because I could not tell you. I know like Teen Wolf is in there somewhere. It would not be with me because I would keep track of how many times I saw the same same proactive commercial <laughs> with uh, with the guy from Maroon Five telling you about how he had acne once. Oh my god, absolutely! Or Mandy Moore also coming up with this album. Like, just how, what a great success story! If you use this acne cream, you could look like Maroon Five or Mandy Moore. Fucking, and never. you know what? I'd buy it if he said it. I trust him. <laughs> 
would you trust uh, Samantha Mumba in Baby Come On Over? No recollection of this no. song ever, ever existing. Yeah, I Do don't know what this is. Um, so I, I looked into it, and uh, she's Irish, so she's Ireland's diversity hire, which is a bummer. <laughs> right, so she she popped up on the last episode. The last now is very much like the better version of of this one. It's a lot of the same artists, just with worse songs. So she popped up on the <laughs> oh. last one. <laughs> And th- like that song was forgettable, but this is super forgettable. I-, I listened to it and I was like, I had to go, I had to go again, but not because of Janet Jackson. The reasons that it was good. I was like, you know, when you you're reading a book and you really love the book, but your mind wanders and you think of something else, and you go back. Wait, I read three pages and I have no idea how I got here. Oh yeah, I got to the next song and I was like, wait, 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 wait a second, I gotta, I gotta go back. <laughs> yeah, she's doing a lot of the fisheye lens in this video. Um, and then you've got a, a dance breakdown, and that's kind of it. Just her fish-eyeing into the camera, and then a dance breakdown. It's kind of everything that I don't like in pop. Um, it's like a paint-by-numbers kind of thing. You've got the dance breakdown, you've got a key change. I uh, like that those bad like alt-chorus harmonies. Um, yeah. I would kill for her giant sequence bell buckle, though. I haven't seen that. I'm going to click through the video right now. Oh, it's it's in the, the first bit. She's got this big sequence... Uh, belt buckle that was mm, it, it's like oh uh, yeah that looks like constellation a constellation belt for the like uh, a, intercontinental world champion oh yeah i was just gonna say it looks like a <laughs> wwf women's title mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but no yeah it's you're right it's totally forgettable um and uh, i guess that's kind of a good thing because i didn't get anything out of it uh i don't miss it i was like all right she has to done something else um mm. and she was supposed to put out an album called sammy girl in 2016 but it's nowhere it just it became nothing Oh no! It's, it's she's vaporware. She's gone. She, yeah, she's <laughs> she's she's as, as as lost as Genko jeans. Duke Duke Nukem forever outlived Samantha <laughs> Mumba. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Shit. So, um, Samantha Mumba, maybe coming over. Uh, the the most the most forgettable song or the most forgettable song. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, much a whole lot of nothing, especially when we've already talked about a song on this podcast called Come On Over Baby um, by Christina that is just infinitely better. Yeah, but did that song have as much CGI as The Phantom Menace? Because I think Samantha Mumba does. Oh, like, man. Like, all the platforms Everything. everyone's dancing on. Everything's like, just wow, a blue screen platform that, in these videos. That is definitely glass. Like, oof, obviously, they built this entire structure out of L- LCD screens <laughs> to be dancing on. If we're going to get cinematography nerds, Samantha Mumba's oh. video may have looked like The Phantom Menace, but Mandy Moore's video looks like an Italian horror movie from, like, 1974. <laughs> Mandy Moore's uh, in my pocket. Um... <laughs> the, the, all the, the constantly quick changes, how soft uh, the, the lighting is, um, I was... I feel like I was moving because the camera never stops. Yeah, so according to WikiWikiWawawpedia, um, she wanted <laughs> this song to have a bit more, and this album to have a bit more of like a rock edge. She wanted it to sound different than the Britney's and Christina's, but like, I don't really get a rock sound from this song. There's like fragments of guitar riffs. If this song but... caught me, like, if this song caught me two years ago, I'd be like, you know what, songs need more? 
EDM sitar. That's what. Yeah, this is the only song on here that has that kind of uh, Eastern influence. Either, Um, I don't know. Like this song is not bad. Like I admire what this song is trying to do, but I don't think it lands any of the kind of aspirations it has. I think in on this album, it is a much better song than it would be on many other now albums. Because, I mean, it's amongst some truly uh, oh, yeah. bad pop songs, like, coming up later on. Um, it's still in, you know, it's one of the top four songs, and Mandy Moore is still super good-looking in it for a video. I don't think she started her acting career yet, right? No, I don't think Walk to Remember happened yet. Okay, yeah, that was her That was her acting career. Right? Uh, because I feel like I saw Saved when I was in high school. Right, Saved, I remember that movie. So we might, we're, we're at least close. All right, you're right, um... But no, I, so this song, uh, I, I guess today I wouldn't be a big fan of it because today's pop music is today's. Um, but uh, I didn't hate this song, in, in, especially after Samantha Mumba. Like, I think it was placed on the album very well. What is up with pop breakdowns? This one has a completely unnecessary <laughs> pop breakdown where instead of in this one, she doesn't dance. There's a bunch of dudes dressed like Jasmine from Aladdin dance. <sighs> Uh, do they do they dance or are they performing some kind of ritual for her anger? I think they're just doing an anger ritual. Oh well, I mean this this video <laughs> this video would be considered hashtag problematic um, in 2016 for sure. For for either for the blatant sexism or for the wildly stereotypical Middle Eastern Asian things. It's the, the culture. I think someone would write a think piece about how this was culturally appropriating. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because, I mean, Mandy Moore in a mullet definitely takes the uh, Appalachian American to really to the ends of the earth. I mean, I'm not even trying to be, like, ironic, like, oh, PC culture. Like, there's a lot of weird, like, just smashing, like, Indian and also Chinese imagery together into this, like, Indo-Chinese thing that's not real outside Say of, like, white... the word your white... grandfather uses, Oriental. <laughs> She, she she builds them all into a rug, a big Asian oriental I mean, rug. It's way more of a vase than a, than an identity in this video for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it's all token Asian things, especially the neon Hong Kong lights. Um, the, the 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 sitar has, I mean, musically no purpose. The sitar makes sense in some of the Zeppelin songs because they got really trippy and a lot of Eastern influence. And this, you know, Manny Moore's like, I'm gonna rebel. You know who my parents don't like? Brown people. <laughs> the lighting is the only thing I dig about this video. It's like a, it's like a Nicholas Winding Refn movie, except I mean, I mean, and he's just inspired by Giallo. Then I, I, I do dig the pinks and the and the reds, um, but overall, it's just kind of a. Uh, did you try to parse any of the lyrics? Because I had to Google what the hell she's saying because I really thought she was saying sticking my panties in your pocket. Uh, but oh, it's pennies, something. Pennies it's in my pennies. Pocket. It's pennies. The the one cent piece. Yes. I only I only got a, a hint on that, but I was scrolling down and there's a pennies in my pocket. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then <laughs> I happened to hear it in the song, and I was like, "Well, all right, this part part for the course." <laughs> no one wants pennies in their pocket. Pennies are <laughs> pennies are what you just throw into the parking lot when you when you've got yeah. a pocket full of them. If it's so I don't want if these. it's silver, it goes in the cup in the middle of my uh, car. Yes, the cup holder. If it's brown, uh, this is not indicative of my racial leanings. If it is coppered, coppered uh, penny, it just goes over my shoulder. Somewhere in the miasma of my back seats, she tried to do something different, right. um, but she lacked the, uh, I guess, either 
the credence or the uh, authority or knowledge to make something authentically different and revolutionary. I'm happy that she's found her niche, um, even though it's not in music, because she tried to do something different. And I think there are people that encouraged that and probably um, were really upset with the returns on that investment. Uh, And that probably fell on her. And that's unfortunate. Um, What's better in this movie, her, in this video, her singing or her acting? Um, she roll back and look at she throws she throws a lot of emotion even on mute. She just did it's like just a neck bob a at me, and I didn't really feel it. Um, <laughs> no, not the not the typical pop face things. Well, her reactions <laughs> like to, to the the Jasmine guys doing backflips, it bounces between surprise and like fuck eyes, and I don't buy either one from Mandy Moore. <laughs> Uh, I mean, she can pretend fuck eyes at me as long as she likes, but uh, I mean, she's she's doing more acting in this than, like you said, actual musical production, uh, especially in terms of like different and revolution. Like she's putting effort into how she's acting in between verses when she's not lip syncing. Right. Like she's she's making effort to draw me in visually uh, versus Survivor and, and Janet Jackson. She's she's the draw here, not so much yeah, the song. She's got more charisma and camera presence um, than like Britney or Christina did, but she doesn't have the backing of like her songwriters or producers or people who are making the videos or marketing like that would have propelled her into. Like she's way better in every way than like if you're talking about the also rans to Britney and Christina than like a Jessica Simpson. Like Mandy Moore is far better than her but like still is pretty just like eh, whatever yeah i think you're right when you said she found her right spot in acting yeah I, right. I appreciate what this is trying to do but i still think it falls pretty flat oh absolutely i mean it's not as bad as j-lo to be honest well i mean if we want to talk about uh, actresses turned Ugh. musicians instead of the other way around Ugh. let's talk about jennifer lopez's play I don't remember the song. So as I, so I didn't, I, I think I told you, I got into hip hop and R&B because of my blues leaning tendencies. I got really heavy into blues, strict straight blues for a while. And then I was like, you know, it's like blues, R&B and hip hop. And then I started to love everything. And uh, looking back at this, it made me so angry for just cookie cutter R&B. And that's, that's all it is. It, it's, it makes me angry with bullshit. Yeah. The, the idea of this song, which is, I really want to hear this song I like, hey DJ, play that song so I can dance, has been done a fucking million times, even in 2001. So this song, it really only relies on its beat and its production, and like, it's danceable, for sure, but it, as a whole, it is so repetitive that I could not get through three minutes and 35 seconds of this song. Yeah, I think the uh, the beginning with that annoying sound threw me off immediately. Like, oh, that's a lame hook. And then uh, when I was looking it up, I found that um, a K-pop cover uh, was done of it by Baby VOX. Oh, of course. I love and, Baby VOX. <laughs> who, I mean, who wouldn't in the K-pop scene? Uh, but uh, they're about as bad. It, it's The, the K-pop cover is lacking some of that uh, artificial sound and synthesized uh, annoying high notes. But it's the song is it's not recoverable at all, even if you're not even understanding the language. Yeah, 
it's it's just it's just bad no matter who's singing it or how it was forgettable and like i said i don't remember this one coming out and looking back through the lens i have now it's it's upsetting to me <laughs> yeah i it's not a confident song either the video more so than I, I talked about waiting for tonight on a previous episode and like i would still say that in seven nows that that's probably in the top 10 of songs that we've done this song is so much worse and you can tell it's not as confident in the video because they have um a lot more of jennifer lopez's body uh mm-hmm. with that kind of music video gaze than uh that better song did like this one is just like oh we don't have much in regards to the song so let's keep them watching with her ass and says she at this point in uh, in 2001 had she insured her ass yet because she insured oh, sure. it as an asset, right? Ah, uh, an asset, yes. Uh, yes, no, that, that that's did a, happen. That's real, though. Like, that had, oh, I know, that I happened know. yet, or is that still on its way? Because, yeah, she's she's definitely using the hell out of this. Yeah, I think we're there, because I think we are now past the dress from that the Grammys. Um, yes. And I think that's part of when Jennifer Lopez's body became, like, Iconic. almost more of a transcendent thing than Jennifer Lopez, the human being. And... If you're gonna go from saving, uh, what was it um, saving for tonight into this, and then you can see the the steady decline of song about the need the need to bring it back. Yeah, I mean, oh, I don't know where musically J Lo's career kind of went into a nosedive. If you just think about general career, like of the Benefer relationship, Ben Affleck clearly came out the other side of that uh, way healthier than Jennifer Lopez did. Oh sure, I mean. Uh, it's really hard, I think, in pop especially, to stay high. It's mm-hmm. making. I mean, you've seen stars come and go, and what hit wonders they hit big that one time, and then they couldn't do it again because you know, eighteen songs is a lot to do yeah. well, and even to have one good one on an out on a ten album or just put a single out, really, really fucking hard. Um, but to keep with that year after year after year, uh, it's no wonder Beyonce is a national fucking treasure, and there's always. Right. Of course, Janet Jackson's been doing this so long. She hit number one because she's really good at this. If your first album, if you're one of your early things is some of the best stuff you've ever done, how do you get back to that? How do you recreate something else? This, I don't think we're anywhere close to Jennifer Lopez's like decline. I think this is just a bad song in her discography, uh, which was probably pretty big at the time because I think we still do have. I could be wrong about this because I don't do a lot of looking ahead, but I'm pretty sure we've still got the aforementioned Jenny from the block. And I think we still have like, I'm real coming. So there's, there's oh, yeah. good Jennifer Lopez down the pipeline. And this is just a bad song. Yeah. We're and looking at the rest of the album. You see all these, I don't want to say, I don't use the word cookie cutter too often, but you have the same structure, same thing going on and on over and over again. And it basically who's in front kind of pop for a lot of it. And JLo's just happens to be in front of this mediocre song. And, you know, that's one thing that I railed against when I was in high school at this time, when you start to realize, like, they're not writing these songs. How are you an artist? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And when I was listening to the song, um, I had a memory of um, this song by a band called Save Ferris, uh, who had a song yes. that was just about, like, I want to hear that song I love. I hope the DJ plays this song. Soon. <laughs> Again, that, like, that's a concept that is lost to children today, like the idea, like, uh-huh. I can't hear the song I want to immediately. <laughs> Um, yeah, 
But like, did Jennifer Lopez and that this that song I think came out before this? But like, did Jennifer Lopez's producers rip off this like mostly nobody SoCal uh, ska band? No, a fucking course they didn't. It's just so generic that like it's an idea that's been used a million times and the music behind it is just kind of this generic like this is going to get some play in places that people can dance and it's j-lo so fuck it that'll sell itself that's disappointing um her voice doesn't really show through here at all it's it's i mean i don't want to put it as the same level as samantha mumba uh because i think this is <laughs> no. because i want to give j-lo more benefit of the doubt but like realistically, like that that's not fair to Samantha Mumba just because she's J Lo. <laughs> it's not as emotional of a song. Like J Lo is she's evocative. She she touches you deep inside, like, you know, um, stay with me. She's passionate. And here it's kinda like that's it, it, it doesn't it doesn't hearken to anything deeper than surface yeah. Uh, yeah, emotion. This is... And that's and you can hear that in the way she sings this entire track. Yeah. If some of her other songs are her out of sight, this is her uh Jersey girl. <sighs> Yeah, she was. You could say she was present for about five minutes of that movie, and she's present for about three minutes of this video. Yeah, okay, no. all right, I get this that. This song was okay. three thirty-five, and she was in the studio <laughs> for approximately three thirty-one of it. Uh, you know what? Uh, yeah. Oh, what this ahead. this outro was instrumental. See you guys. I have a movie to film. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. That's. You know, I got nothing else to say. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Continuing on after J Lo, the worst, the worst Backstreet Boys song, or. The best Backstreet Boys song. Wait, it is The Call by the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. So I wanted to like this song going into it because it sounded a little bit different than your average boring-ass Backstreet Boys song. But holy shit, between this video being a straight-up, like, weird Backstreet Boys <laughs> Matrix homage uh and this song being just trash uh man but since i've asked every other guest on the show uh backstreet boys are in sync who do you side with in the boy band wars that is tough because i feel like backstreet back is like it's not here yet in this album but uh backstreet back is every oh no backstreet's back is like two albums okay well backstreet back is like every closeted pop star's anthem and it makes sense that it was in that um, the James Franco and Friends movie. This is the end, like you mean like closet fan of 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 boy bands, right? Okay, like that's that's your anthem. Um, jeez, oh, NSYNC. I think I think I know more NSYNC, but I liked the Backstreet Boys better. It's like it's like I liked it's like liking the Beatles music better, but man, the Rolling Stones are fucking cool as hell. Right. Well, oh boy, that. That comparison's gonna get you some just don't give your Twitter don't give your Twitter at the end of the episode. Dude, I don't give a shit. I'm gonna defend that analogy. The uh, the Backstreet Boys and Sync, they were they were very similar. Meanwhile, the Beatles and Rolling Stones, they were paragons of their craft and they went in two very different directions. Sure. Okay, these are the two best in their genre. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Completely agree with you on that. It's, it's, thank um, you for defending me, but uh, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> All right, I guess in sync. I guess I would have to go with in sync. But man, I really did like the Backstreet Boys a lot. I think I was given the the Backstreet Boys album as a gift when I was young. When my aunt who had knew nothing about me, she's like, "Oh, the Backstreet Boys. They they're, they're popular." Got me that album, and I was like, "Aunt, aunt Cindy, you know me at all? I'm into so many metal things right now." And then I definitely I definitely listened to that album 
a lot. <laughs> I I got that first Backstreet Boys album as a gift from an aunt as well. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like okay, okay. Yeah, but, uh, but you know, I listened to other Backstreet Boys. I do not remember the call. I think because it was so. No. it was uh, Backstreet Boys are. They were always. It was very. Um, it, it touched your heart because it was always about being in a relationship and something was either going wrong or you were betrayed. Uh, you, it was, yeah. the Backstreet Boys are, they made you feel like you, you, you empathize with their longing. This is almost a betrayal of all that emotion. Yeah. Backstreet Boys have always been kind of the nice guy boy band. Like I'll never break your heart, baby. Like mm-hmm. I'm friend zoned, but I love you anyway. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is like, I'm fucking someone else and turning and, and hitting the bitch button on, on the phone when you call me. Yeah. Like, that is not a Backstreet Boys song. I think NSYNC could have pulled this off better, but I think it would have been, uh, ideal if no boy band pulled this song off. Yeah, it's honestly, al- it's almost like, um, yeah, uh, back, you don't expect the Backstreet Boys to be cheating on you, and it's like, wow, this is this is all wrong. And, and I feel like any Backstreet Boys uh, song where AJ starts out in the video is downhill. What about the other? I think it's it might be. I'm starting to learn the Backstreet Boys names. I think it's Howie. He's got that like uh, Twilight Wolf extra hair. Oh, I love it. Oh yeah, the man, the the older guy one. Well, I hope they weren't getting their fashion tips from that. Is it a wig? I can't even tell. Because he's the one that the the girl pulls her face off, Mission Impossible style, Uh and uh, reveals herself to be someone else. So I don't know if that's supposed to be like a wig to... I don't don't know what they're doing there. This video is like... It's like doing some Matrix stuff. It's doing uh, Mission Impossible. But it's all bad. But they get their comeuppance at the end. All the the burned women get them at the end. Oh, and there's also that, uh, that... the number 23 moment where everything's written on the... Uh... <laughs> yes! I wrote the exact same thing. Holy shit, someone else remembers terrible Jim Carrey movie, the number 23. All right, well, we can agree to disagree like, on um, that one. <laughs> also, like, um, oh, man, the Are You Afraid of the Dark episode that scared the shit out of me when I was, like, 10. I, I where the... Every Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, I last as long as they put that match out, and then I'm out. I changed the channel. That's the end of Snick for me. Oh, yeah. For uh, listeners at home, we, we play uh, a drinking game sometimes. Where we get Joe in the room and we just put on a horror movie, and every time he makes a noise, we just drink, and you get pretty drunk by the end of it. I'm glad my friends have a good time. Uh, I wish it wasn't at my expense, but um, I like really scary movies. I'm a big fan of them going, stop, it's not that big of a deal. You don't, you, you don't know me. You, but you don't know my life. <laughs> um, we had a good time with Green Room, though. Uh, yeah, that was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, but the, the wrap of the call, it's like, because it's not about love or heartbreak, I'm, I can respect that they try to do the other side of that coin, but you know, if if you're good at one thing, stick to that one thing. You know, make me feel the heart and longing as a tough guy. Change my mind. Don't make me feel like a douchebag. Yeah, and I think I've said before that the the gist, the general feeling I get from both of these bands is that like InSync fucks and Backstreet Boys make love. Yeah, so yeah. this rings like really false. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially with the uh, like you said, the Matrix, the trench coaty stuff. Oh yeah, it's this song is aggressively shitty. The production, <laughs> yeah, I like that the production part. is not good. The harmonies are not there. Like the Backstreet Boys are known for their harmonies, um, and if there's anything that they have over in sync, it might be that. Yeah. And they're not really here in the song. Yeah, they're more vocalists, and Instinct was phenomenal dancers. They were they were great. Co- they were very coordinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had way more of the image um, than. I think Backstreet managed, especially at this point. I guess Backstreet are at a point where they're... There's a point where one of them ducks down in the car and comes up as another one of them. Yeah. 
And I feel like you can't do that with the boy bands. Like, you really need to give each one their own character. Mm-hmm. And this video, them all being Neo, doesn't work. What, what I think that I'm just seeing now, as we review the video, um, is in that crowd of scorned people, there mm-hmm. are plenty of dudes. Really? Yeah. Uh, one, to that. two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven dudes. Right oh, you're right. Front. And I'm like, wow, um, huh. But yeah, no, I did. I did notice that. That's interesting. So, is it supposed to be like scorned? I, I thought it was. Well, the the, scor- the one girl in the beginning that uh, that gets the call where he's with his boys staying out all night. Yes, I listened to all the lyrics. She's up right, right up front, heading you know the scorned exes, and maybe uh, it's not exes, maybe just scorned friends because you can cancel on your friends and then think you're shitty right. also. So if we're gonna if we're gonna you know if well, we're gonna blur the, the lines is- here. The song makes it very clear it's about begging someone else and getting caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't even have the shaggy defense to, to back them up. <laughs> no. But I, I think yeah, uh, I, I could, didn't notice that, but that is an excellent an excellent observation. Yeah, I could I could not hear that song again. Oh, yeah, I'll never hear the Backstreet Boys The Call again. Uh, <laughs> additional song that I'll never hear again, 3LW. Play is going play! <laughs> Uh, 3LW is constantly reminds me of like a uh, an equation you would see in like freshman geometry. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, baggy white pants dance number equals TLC. Yeah, uh, they're all they're all rectangles. So the band is three uh, three times length width, and that's how you get 3LW. <laughs> three times length width, and that yeah. might be volume. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think that's supposed to be like a music pun? The answer is no. But do you think that might be no. a music pun? No, not not with that little talent. Yeah, this is, uh, I referenced previously, like, Bad Destiny's Child. This is Bad Destiny's Child. That's what this is. So, a uh, Child, they were on their way out, like, in terms of, like, uh, not not on their way out, because, you know, we talked about them being crescendo early on this album, but they were, as a as a group, slowing down and stopping and not being a group anymore, because they started doing their own stuff, and the band had, like, semi-dissolved, but Beyonce mm-hmm. was like, no, we're a thing, and got new more people. It's yeah. almost like, and I don't think TLC... Um, was still making music as prolifically. Well, TLC doesn't have like a member breakup. Someone just dies. Uh, Left yeah. Eye, I think, just dies. Yeah, and then and so there's, I guess, there's a market for some tougher black girls that need to sing in a coordinated dance with baggy pants. I know what we'll do. We'll add three more uh, characters and call it a band. TLC. We we can't do TLC. We'll, you know, what we need a number, a number. Yeah, yeah, yeah a number. We use mm-hmm. three because there's three of them, and. Uh, uh, Greg, what's the first letter you're thinking of? L. Okay, L is going to be one of them. And, you know, that, that that must be how the marketing meeting went. It's very transparent. Um, <laughs> how much of like a thrown together thing this is, and how much of trying to dupe off Destiny's Child or TLC that this is. Because first off, the song, the production's real bad. It's got the super like shrill synth and a snare and a kick that has no no kind of punch to it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and the beat is something you've heard so much. It has yeah. nothing. It's not even put through any kind of um, uh, synthesized beat changer that Dre was doing at this time. You know, it, it's, it's, it feels empty and uh, the, it's a bummer. The one thing I gave is that the melody is like unique. Like this, the beat is very, this like generic beat of this time, but the song as a whole doesn't sound like any of, it doesn't sound like TLC. It doesn't sound like Destiny's Child. So they're trying to carve out a niche, but that niche is still, like, the generic market. It's almost like 
there's there are these two paths you could take, and instead I chose to walk through the gorge in the middle and fell. Yeah, and this this band burns out really quick. Um, oh, yeah. I think they're done by two thousand and three. Oh yeah. Um, so at, I spied, I, something looks weird sorry. for me in the video, and at one a minute and forty five in the video, they do a spin move, but they're not synced up. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about that. I noticed that as well. Um, <laughs> it's jarring. <laughs> it is. They don't have that natural like je ne sais quoi in any like their their musical performance is not interesting. Their songwriting is not interesting. The production is not interesting. Their even their dancing. It's just like they don't have the natural any one aspect that would that could set them aside from any of these other bands we referenced. They're just like the worst version of all of that. Yeah, they're not a group. They're kind of like Sunday leftover stew. And it's yeah. a bummer to say about people's careers, but like but it's exactly that. It's we took these it's they lack synergy. The the whole is not more than the sum of their parts. They are far less than that. Yeah, and uh, you know, in the green room uh, off mic, we were talking about um, the movie John Wick too, and it this this video actually kind of reminded me of that uh, in some ways because in a in a discussion online about how cool it is that Keanu Reeves threw himself into that into that character and learned like the muscle memory to like pull out a gun from his his side, shoot three dudes very quickly like he learned how to become that character and make it look good and in action editing that's very important because you can show a wide shot of him pulling out that gun really quick shooting three people and running yeah and more options (laughs) and in the movie uh, someone posted a video of the movie taken three where there is a scene where it's about 10 seconds long he runs down an alley onto a car and over a fence. In 10 seconds, there are 14 cuts because Liam Neeson <laughs> is too old to run up a car and jump over a fence. This dance sequence is so edited and choppy oh, wow. compared to like a Destiny's Child or like even Samantha Mumba like, or Janet. It's and especially it, Janet. Yeah. You, you said it like they're not in sync. Uh, pun not remotely intended. Oh, I love it. <laughs> because they're not good at any of their separate parts, therefore they are not good as an overall band. Factory-made K-pop bands where everyone has a role. One is the big sister, one is the rebel, right. one is the sweet girl. Um, not so much the Spice Girls, because the Spice Girls were a total package, they just played different parts. Um, that won't be my last defense of the Spice Girls if it comes up again. Oh, that's fine. Um, but the yeah, 3LW is just, they, they lack... <sighs> That that oomph, it's, it's such a bummer because like it's bad to say about someone's career. It, it's it's just uh, everyone knew it right away too. And like you you must know hearing the song and seeing it that it's it's just not going to be the same. Yeah, like you get the dailies or whatever the equivalent in music videos, and you're just like, oh, that's not gonna. They spend money on this too. Like that oh, yeah. resort is not blue screened. Like they're at really? some sort of island. I it was it was so hard for me to watch the video. Honestly, because the song was jarring enough. I was like, ugh. And the refrain was so long and so often, it reminded me of a Biz, the Bismarcky song, you know? Oh, like They no. said, the, 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 the refrain is so long, players go and play, hands go and they kept yeah. going. And they said it as often as any Destiny Child song. If this is the origin of Haters Gonna Hate, then kudos to them, but I would bet money it is not. <laughs> There's absolutely no way no. anything originates in pop. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Thrill What do you think Thrill W stands for? Like, seriously, like three lovely women? Three lovely women's a good idea. Um, three ladies. Three waiting. luscious women. Oh, that's good too. Three, three lady. Three lady women. That doesn't work. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, for the rapidity of this, for the uh, redundancy of this band, it might be the actual meaning. No, I got nothing. Uh, I can't even think. I honestly think it was that, that fake marketing meeting I said before, where some people were just like, give me ideas. Let's check the Wikipedia. Three Little Women. Three Little Women? What? How about Nelly Ride With Me? Absolutely. Yeah. This, this might song. be one of the best songs. This, If this song doesn't make you think of the summer of 2001, then you are a generation lost. This song is absolutely in its time. And yeah. it's... It was ubiquitous. It's really fun, too. Uh, well, here's the thing. It's not like a four-to-the-floor banger. Uh, it's like he's in a, Nelly's in a hammock for most of the video, and I feel like yeah, this is totally hammock rap. It's got a good mellow beat. He's his vocals are very airy. Uh, it's got that acoustic kind of sample. Um, I think it's from a bar song. I could be wrong about that. Um, but it's it's like a laid back, enjoyable. Uh, not that for the floor rap songs aren't enjoyable, but this is uh, it's just casual rap. I guess it's like khakis rap. It has something. It has something for everybody in this. It, it, and they use the um, the guitar so wonderfully as their me- oh, metronome. Is that is that song? No, it's a different song. But they use it. The whole flow sounds like the guitar the entire time. Even when they rap, it's just you said it yourself. It's laid back mm-hmm. and it's it's nat- It feels natural, and you can drive to it. You can jive to it. Uh, it it's a tr- it was an instant classic when it came out, and it was a classic a year later. It's a classic, what, holy crap, 15 years later? <laughs> 16 years later? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think if you ask most people for a Nelly song, they're going to say Hot in Here. But mm-hmm. this one, I mean, it's pretty good. I did kind of forget about it until I listened to it, but it's solid. Uh, the, the I forgot the name was Ride With Me. <laughs> the entire second half of the chorus is just censored out because it's about weed, which is a weird <laughs> yeah. censor to make. I mean, I don't think that would get censored in 2017. It was just, you know, the war on drugs is still lingering, you know? Yeah. Uh, there was there was no California. I don't think they had a medicinal marijuana. Were they doing medicinal marijuana no, yet? No way. No. So I mean, marijuana is a bad thing. You know, it was just it was just for the bad people to do. Uh, I guess we'll smoke an L yeah. or a J and uh, and we'll cruise along in our Trans Am, outrunning a cadre of police. Yeah, this is so. It's it's kind of funny. Um, this isn't the only video that I'm going to reference this for, but uh, it reminded me of the movie from Dust Till Dawn a lot. Uh, it's just people on the run from the cops, and then they go into a bar full of sexy women. Oh, they're all vampires, right, in that movie? They, in the movie, they are all vampires, true. Um, I did not see that movie uh, for the aforementioned game. The actual <laughs> reference to that movie, which I... this See, I watched it in order. This made me feel like From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, not, like, really, but, like, in spirit. Uh, there's another song <laughs> later that really actually, I think, straight up references that movie. Um... But I think we're like six years after it, so it's just a weird coincidence. I think I'm reading too much into it. I think it means I need to rewatch uh, from Dustle Dawn because George Clooney is fucking awesome in that movie. Uh, then uh, maybe I'll watch it uh, if it's if it's I'll watch it in the daytime. The, That's my jam. The fact that you know the the twist is disappointing because that movie is way more fun to show to people who don't know that vampires show up in that movie because for the first like 45 minutes it's just a crime movie. Oh, that's uh, that's a, that's a good premise. Uh, yeah, a twist makes it up. <sighs> Yeah, Nelly makes great. It makes great stuff. He doesn't have to do it a lot. And when he collaborates, I think hip hop at this time is becoming 
what it was, a collaborative art yeah. form. And it, R&B always was. Like, blues is a collaborative. You can jump in on a blues song if you know the blues because it's made to riff like that. It's, uh, I think blues is one of the most perfect forms of music, but that's, that's those are my ears, and I love it. Even just the idea of the sample makes it... Uh... Even if you're not directly collaborating, yeah. it is it is yeah. a multiple part process where you're uh, you're not just drawing on your inspirations; you are building on them. And it's it's uh, I love I am in love with that. And once I realized that basically R and B and hip hop is the blues, but uh, a, a, an evolution and change, uh, I started to love it. And hearing Nelly, like once you get to good sampling, like this is good sampling. There's Puff Daddy did a lot of bad sampling yeah. and annoying sampling. But Nelly, this is great. He took something that was already beautiful and built a Taj Mahal. And, all right, Taj Mahal is a, a monument to human engineering. <laughs> this is just great music. <laughs> you know, Nelly did great. And um, the, I think collaborative hip-hop is some of my favorite hip-hop. Like uh, uh, even today's uh, Nicki Minaj, phenomenal collaborator, pr- pretty good solo artist. Like, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love her stuff, but uh, she's an amazing collaborator. And that's just... It's just the nature of where, where hip hop started to go here, and just the really good bits of it continued like this. Well, how do you feel about the collaboration between Mystical and Navia with Danger? Danger! I. Come on! Get on the floor! it so much it was everything he's like the bastard sound of dmx and lil wayne before lil wayne That's... <laughs> he has a voice like dmx uh which the worst. love dmx no love dmx but his video is just a, some bad rap stereotypes and if your voice sounds like dmx dmx you should not be doing your own hook i don't care i know i know he does it but this guy should not be doing his own hook. so we're one album removed from Shake your ass. Watch yourself. Ugh. And this song is so similar. Uh, not in the beat at all. This is doing like a weird minimalist Eastern kind of sound, which does not work with his voice. He needs to be doing hard beats DMX style. But yeah. this sounds just the way that he's just screaming one word in the chorus. Like, shake your fast. Danger. Like It's so similar. Catch. And it's tough to separate one from the other. Like, they are different songs, but just in, in your memory, I think they're going to end up rolling together. So, uh, pop quiz, why have you not heard of anything by Mystical? Oh, no, is he... For six years after Is he song? dead? Uh, no, he got incarcerated for six years for sexual battery oh. and an extortion conviction. Uh, which is, which is, very, which I'm not going to say that they're the same, but there is, my new favorite website is, isdmxinjail.com. Oh, no. Oh yeah! Turns out he's not in jail right now. Oh uh, <laughs> man, that's that's unfortunate because uh, I didn't know that. Uh, if I had oh, known that about Mystical, we probably would have skipped his songs too. Uh, but I guess I didn't do enough research. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. Uh, he's he had his one thing and then did nothing after that because good. It's not a whole high quality, so you can even hear in his lyrics because I love it. Uh, a lyrical bolo. Uh, come on, man! You're not you're not DMX. You're not Jigga. You're not Jehovah. You're not you're not that that great. Yeah. And get on he wants you to get on the floor, but there's there's not much to dance to, honestly. No. Like I don't have breasts big enough for this video. Right. Uh, but this is the first time I've seen pasties in a video. Yeah. So I mean good for him for I guess uh hitting these uh, the, the the sexualizing women trend in rap videos on this now album at least. 
Oh, that's not his trend. He's just writing that wave. Just that much like he's writing every other hip-hop trope. So I'm uh, happy I never heard of Mystical again. But that's just me defending what I think is great rap music against this. Well, this is the second half of the From Dust Till Dawn uh, movie video homage uh, that I imagine <laughs> Mystical and Nelly specifically okay. did together in secret. Um, <laughs> no, because there there's a part where a girl in a red bikini comes out wearing a snake around her neck, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Selma Hayek does in From Dust Till Dawn. Hmm. Oh, so well. this, I think, is a blatant reference, whereas the other one was just they're running away from the cops to a, a bar in the desert, like... That's like uh, that's a loose reference to From Dust Till Dawn. It reminded me of it, but then this following up, they're like, "Oh no, this is straight up a From Dust Till Dawn reference." So I don't, I don't hate the idea that you know he he encounters a mirage and he's dangered. Like his video, I guess, works, but it's just uh, it's it's a bummer that the song was with the video. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's this song just this is not good, uh, yeah. and I especially have no interest in defending it now that I know that about Mistil. Heads up. <laughs> I do want to say about uh, From Dustle Dawn for a moment that I do love that movie. I know you've never seen it, so I try. I, w- I won't spoil it too much. Um, but there's a scene where Selma... So that movie was directed by Robert Rodriguez, but written by Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, and those guys are great together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quentin Tarantino plays one of the, the brothers in that movie. Uh, he's the brother of George Clooney, which is fucking okay, sure. But there's a scene in the one I referenced where Selma Hayek comes out and does her dance where she sticks her foot in Quentin Tarantino's mouth and then pours tequila down her leg. And, uh, like, is has there ever been, like, Do me. outside of a porno, a bigger, like, example of a director just or an actor? I mean, is someone working their fetish into film than Quentin Tarantino <laughs> having some Hayek's foot in his mouth? Speaking of sexualized on film, R. Kelly... Love it. So R. Kelly and Jay-Z on a, the Fiesta remix, which does not have an original... I tried to find the original. There's just a remix. Mm. It's just a Fiesta Man. remix. <laughs> when R. Kelly slams remix on something, it's uh, <laughs> it's a real weird thing. This, I think I agree with... Um, most of the hip-hop community that R. Kelly can do no wrong. I like this song a lot. Uh, so Jay-Z kind of just intros it and just hands it yes. off to R. Kelly for the rest of everything. And it's kind of like, hey, I'm Jay-Z. R. Kelly is great. Here's the rest of the song. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, Jay. All right, J- Jigga, you got it. It's not the only time he'll do that, too. Um, possibly more famously, he'll do that on Umbrella as well in about mm-hmm. a decade. <laughs> And probably better, too. I, I don't love this song. This is probably the first time that R. Kelly has let me down. In the end, like, neither R. Kelly or Jay-Z produced this. And I want more of their own style in this song. I think I'd just rather listen to R. Kelly or I'd rather listen to Jay-Z. I don't think this is a collaboration, either. Because it turns out, as we'll hear, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dabble in this on the next episode. But uh, they end up hating each other by the oh, end sure. of their collaboration. And it it feels that way. It feels like they were never in the same room, you know, when yeah. this was recorded. And you, I mean, that, and that's yeah, and that's fine. That 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 was a trope when um people had different schedules or you were feuding with somebody. You would you would layer set down, hit your sixteen bars, and then go back on the next flight, right. and then someone else would do it. Um, uh, but I I like the song because okay so jay doesn't have a very prominent role and whoever the hell um boo and god is doesn't matter honestly uh, if this is r kelly's worst song it's no wonder he's so effing amazing 
You know, that's that's a good point. And so and and he even so he's such a talented vocalist that he can take these sounds that this guitar is making and just flow with them. And he uses that plucky guitar as a metronome for uh, uh, for when he's speeding up and flowing. And even when um whoever Boo and Gotti are start rapping, that's their metronome is that plucky guitar that keeps going. I if this is R. Kelly's worst work, no wonder he's a, a brilliant and honestly, I'd let it pee on me. Uh, hey, if it's good enough for the president and R. Kelly, it's good enough for me. Yeah, right. I mean, if if this is his worst work, yeah, this is pretty great. And you don't see. I think it's easy to say that I would rather hear Jay Z or to rather hear R. Kelly. And not every collaboration is great, like Nelly and whoever the other people are. <laughs> but uh, this is this was still pretty good. I like the way they use the guitar throughout the whole thing and yeah it can get repetitive especially near the end when you've heard the same thing yeah but they did he did a good job working with something different that wasn't just a dr dre beat recycled yeah i mean it's the old cliche like r kelly could read the phone book to me and i'd be okay with it (laughs) it's just this this is uh this is lower tier r kelly especially of what we've had on this uh on this now but it it won't (laughs) it won't stop me from saying that uh if if I threw down the gauntlet right now of like who is the most now and again artist of everything that we've had so far. It would be R. Kelly. Yeah, he's 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 great. I don't have much much bad to say about him. And um, yeah, I I can agree with you that this wasn't his or Jay Z's best work. But for two people that hate each other, they they didn't work bad together. You know, this this is a forced group project. You know, and R. Kelly did sixty percent of the work. You know, Jay Z's. 30% did pretty okay. I would love to know what this song sounded like if one of them produced it, but I know that the... I, I imagine that the egos never would uh, allow that to be a thing that comes to fruition. Oh, God, no. No, they, they have to find someone equally as huge to produce it, and, and I don't think at this time Dre was producing anything Jay-Z, because East Coast, West Coast was still kind of an issue. Uh, is Dre not producing the next uh, collaboration, Eve and... Gwen Stefani, let me blow your mind because he shows up at the end of this video. I don't know if he's producing it. He is. Yeah, he is. It's a very Dre like uh, riff with that little guitar lick and uh, that snare sound is very Dre esque. So if he's yeah. not producing this, then someone who. Oh, uh, it's like his protege is producing this. But no, Dre, Dre did produce this beat and because uh, he's not in anything he doesn't make. <laughs> um, I like this. This is a this cool... This song's great. Yeah, this was really cool. Um, Dre, Dre does make magical music. Uh, everything he touches is pretty great. And I love hearing women rap well. I, I really do. There's a soft spot in my heart for Missy Elliott. Mm. Um, I... Nicki Minaj's saving grace is that she is she's good at rapping. You know, she can make a good flow. She's she's insane, probably. But she Nicki can Minaj, rap well. like rapping wise, probably peaked on her verse in Monster. Oh, that that's but, like collaboration, yeah. That verse might be good enough that any goodwill she gets for the rest of her career is is has been earned. Yeah, and she, yeah, but, but this is you know, women rapping well is that's that's I love it. I love it with all my heart. You know, it's. This is definitely not breaking the glass ceiling for women all over the world, but it's, you know, it just, it, up until, you know, Missy Elliott and some of the other big women in hip hop, like, you know, women rapping was like, meh, all right, you see, you can rap well, okay. But 
it's great to see just it's great to see this this is a good collaboration especially when gwen does not take center stage she's kind of a backup yeah she, all she's doing is really lending her name in this i'm not gonna pretend i remembered much of eve um in 2017 but fucking she slays on her verses which is and this is how you do a featured part not come in for the first 35 seconds and then go peace she's <laughs> on every chorus uh gwen Stefani, that is, is on every chorus and then eve is in there for the every verse the trade-off works really really well they're they're working against something and they're just as good as everyone else. Um, the video is pretty good too. Uh, throwing people, getting people upset at a party. Uh, it, it does a good job. So I, I got to point this out as a movie guy. Udo Kier plays one of the people at the party uh, who is at first an uptight white dude and then gets into the dancing, which is like such a cliche that's been in like every like slobs versus snobs uh Oh, the, he's wonderful as every the dean dances actor. at the end of the movie. Like it's, he's, <laughs> like, this is not a unique storyline, mm-hmm. but Udo Kier showing up in this is insane to me. Um, like he's not the most famous guy, but he's in like a ton of shit as that German guy. He's in every Lars von Trier movie, and I, I will say I'm a bit up- upset that this video doesn't end with Gwen Stefani smashing Willem Dafoe's penis into mush. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but. Uh, Seeing him in there is not a big deal. He probably just got a paycheck. Like mm-hmm. Funkmaster Flex. Uh, uh, what was that song with um, Christopher Walken doing ballet? Oh, oh, that not Funkmaster. That's um, that's Fatboy Slim. Fatboy Slim. Uh, Weapon of Choice. Slim. Weapon of Choice. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's an actor's an actor's there. He's available. Get a paycheck. Sure, why not? And no, for sure. But they if that's you think of as like that's the German bad guy. Yep, that's let's that, get him for. Uh, five minutes of his day but it's not like he's, he's even the star white person it's this, this is angry white woman who is the, the real bad guy Udo Kier gets into it uh like there he is dancing uh but like it's just weird that he of all people is who who knew who to get Udo Kier into this video and it's not like the biggest catch but it's just like it's a weird thing to happen I'm, I'm almost willing to bet um you know how people do favors for family and I'll I will I will I'll, all right, I'll put a $50 chip on that Udo Kirsch is, has a relation with a younger daughter that loves Gwen Stefani. Oh, that could be it. That's And yeah. the agent was like, hey, you want to be in this video? It's nothing. And it's like, sure. So I don't know if I want to – I guess I'll get into this now because I think her pop stuff will come up much later. Um, but Gwen Stefani doing this song uh, when I was like 15 actually bummed me out real bad. Like she's Gwen Stefani, she's no doubt. She's like she was in a ska band, and then she's going into this, and like fifteen year old me was definitely like selling out. No, Betrayed. and then and then she dropped like no doubt dropped Rocksteady, which now I think is actually a pretty good album. Uh, but at the time, I fucking hated it uh, because it just wasn't that same ska sound. But I mean, this the real answer to that is that as I've gotten older, I realized that ska fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah pick one you know are you big band what are you doing yeah like ska uh, like ska uh, the band i referenced previously like save uh save ferris uh like i really like them in like 2001 uh they reunited and they put out an album and they're playing somewhere around here and for like for like a good like 10 minutes i was like should i go see them and i listened to their new song and i was like oh no no no, no i shouldn't because ska can't you ever see a certain time of your life and that's it you ever see i mean you haven't because you hate horror movies but like you know that scene in the in the possession movies where they try to take the possessed kid out of the house and just like the possession once they leave like the the bounds of the house starts to like kill them that's what happens if you try to take ska out of like 2003 
<laughs> you mean uh, out of what was it? Rancid was a big one. Just like it starts screaming and starts like the face starts melting. Scuzz is 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 dead, and it deserved to be dead. Um, Gwen Stefani doing her own thing was cool and good um, because she has this natural swagger in this video, and I know that that's mm-hmm. what the kids say these days, uh, and I don't really know what that word actually means. But she feels like she belongs in this video, uh, yeah. and it's natural. Which someone coming from like Orange County ska, like not every person from that scene would make it in this scene in 2001 no fucking way it's like you can tell that she's diversified enough to do this which is great uh in terms of an artist because then she goes and does her own stuff and she's she's hip-hop for a while like with with this you mean like like with the song and this and even in her own her own uh solo ventures oh the shit is bananas yeah like she she tries really hard and she doesn't do bad but uh i think when you talked about the swagger you enunciated too well the swagger (laughs) <laughs> the 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 swagger she has yeah yeah she, she gels very well with with eve and the whole mm-hmm. idea of busting up this snooty party yeah um yeah you 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 were on the nose when you said she naturally just flows right in i know what you mean by a betrayal because uh i was a big fan no yeah who isn't a big fan of no doubt i always feel like when artists uh in a group do their solo stuff and come back i i always feel betrayed when i have an investment into it. You know, mm-hmm. like on yeah. uh, System of a Down was my biggest thing. They went off and did some of their own stuff. They came back and made another album. I was like, are you really a group now? I, I felt betrayed. And that's and that's wrong of me because an artist is an artist that is doing things. I get that now. But, you know, younger kids, you're like, well, how much does No Doubt have? And you said Rocksteady, still really good. But, yeah, then they went and did their own thing, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. And Gwen Stefani, still doing great stuff. Yeah. Sure. Maybe she was a judge for The Voice for a couple years. <laughs> yeah, she's married Ryan. to the country music guy now. Like, no, 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 thanks. But um, I'm sure he gets paid well. <laughs> you know, you know what I don't miss? Uh, that is so very 2001. Uh, the whole like um, wearing your pants below your. This is gonna sound old manny as shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, sa- sagging. Why are these kids sagging their pants? But uh, when it's like sagged below your g-string, uh, like the 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 <laughs> WWF like Lita thing. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Man, like how is that a thing? Yeah, uh, and that's that's specifically an us getting older thing. No, that's that's gentlemen sag your pants as low as you want. I couldn't possibly give a shit. But like when you're doing it to like show off your g string, this it's just it's a weird. Uh, even back then, I was like, that's that's weird. So I don't think her pants are sagging. I think she just pulled her g string up over her hip. Oh, you know what? That's of, like okay. Right. Sure. It... So she she wasn't she wasn't showing off cleavage. She had. Uh, reholstered her own g-string okay she, so then, she, she put that thought in your head chris you were the one manipulated so that. then separated from the sagging thing uh, <laughs> the 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 wedging yourself to, to show off what you're wearing i don't I, it's, it's just it's a weird concept that's like put that like bury that in the time capsule with jenkos and ufos like we don't, now, we don't need the other option is she couldn't afford a new bathing suit and that's a bathing suit from the 80s that just happened to be really thin well you can see that no one is doing that one anymore uh and <laughs> no. probably for a no, good reason not- i i do don't I don't think I've mentioned her, uh, but I, I will reiterate the point that you made previously. Like, Eve fucking slays on this song. Yeah. She's great. And, yeah, I, I wish you saw more of it, but um, I think Missy, I think um, Lil' Kim was uh, still a rising star. Yeah, because she still at least has Lady Marmalade to do. Yes, yes. So, I mean, my market wasn't saturated with Lady Rappers, but we were still, like, we weren't lacking in quality hip-hop at this time. So she came on at a rough spot, um, but I think she could have. I think today she'd be great to again 
I don't love to harp on like physical appearance on this podcast. Um, but Jesus Christ, man, when you get Eve and Gwen Stefani in one shot, that is that is a lot of beauty in one <laughs> shot, man. The way they are um, as rebellious, beautiful people, and they're considered scum by these high elite, these high elites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it goes to accentuate the whole purpose of their doing this. You know, they're trying to bust onto uh, a rap world or the pop game with this different thing, um, and they ruin this uptight party. Uh, I think that's a good that's a good example of the video representing the music very well. Uh, but I think Young B and I definitely could have uh, would have both liked this song for sure. I mean, pre-internet, this is videos like this and women like even Gwen Stefani was why these young us young boys would watch MTV. Oh yeah, like, this was this was how MTV stayed alive during this this point when we didn't want to watch pop music. But you're like, hey, let's let's watch MTV by ourselves in a separate room, guys. <laughs> uh, Gavin Rosdale, you done fucked up. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I can't. I don't know what like you said before. I don't know what MTV is doing now with the internet. I think we're running a little long, but I have a feeling we're gonna end up flying through these next two songs. Uh, so let's move on to City Highs. What would you do? And uh, so, the preachiest album, oh, the preachiest God, song yeah. on this album. I like hip hop with meaning and purpose. Ooh, and like, yeah. It has a message, but you know what? The Fugees did that way better without being repetitive. This is like the, uh, the equivalent of, uh, someone on Twitter in 2017 being like, yo, I'm woke. Look how woke I am. It's me. I'm woke. <laughs> Hashtag woke. It's just the most, like, it's the most cliched, unimaginative, like, and, and Wyclef, uh, Wyclef is the producer, so of course, but it's like the most unimaginative, cliched, shit's hard kind of stuff, and there's nothing else to it. The Offspring had a fucking song around this time. You remember that song where it was like, um, chance is blown, nothing's free. That song was all about like, this guy I knew did a bunch of drugs, and this girl became prostitute, and everything sucks, and this one, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's this song too. But it's just like yeah. shit. So, all right, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll tell you the other side of it. I'll tell you the other side of that argument where this song does it takes that um, it takes two sides, uh, kind of in an argument where you know I'm I'm stripping I'm dancing because you know this is what I have to do. Like you know uh, the one lyric that was you know it's pretty powerful, but it's an extreme case where it says me and my sister we ran away so our father wouldn't rape us anymore. It's like woo, mm, can't really come back to you on that sense. So let's go to the let's go to the refrain. But the guy, he says the typical argument that, you know, I guess women would hear is that, you know, there's got to be another way. Why are you doing this to yourself? You're so great. That's like one of my least favorite. I know I just like, I just poo-pooed like the, the risen G-string, but like that was more fashion than like life choices. <laughs> yeah. um, I like condemning sex workers or not even sex workers. It's just a stripper uh, is just like, it's, it's always been gross. Maybe it was less gross in 2001. But, like, uh, fuck off to anyone who does yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's a opinion. shitty thing to do. I actually thought the song was going to be Where's the Love, but that's the first Black Eyed Peas single, so that's, like, two years away. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's actually a better song, and I don't like the Black Eyed Peas spoilers. Uh, yeah, the song's trash. Uh, I could I could forget the song existed. Yeah, and I think um, there are other songs that do it better. And th- too preachy to be remember- to, to like a lot. You always like that one lit teacher that's an activist that wants you to get involved. But at the same time, you're just like, it's 7 a.m. period one. Stop yelling at me. <laughs> and I can be told only so many things a certain way by a song. Right. 
Yeah, shit is terrible for some people. Thanks, music. Yeah, and I, we don't think that, but I appreciate you telling people that do, I guess. I don't know. You're right. City High. Um, great, great, great. Nope, that's it. Nothing great. <laughs> yes, what would you do? Mm, as I grab my chin and nod sagely, what would I do? Uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's... That's a good question because there's no good answer to that. And I think we knew that going into the song. Joe, can people find you online anywhere? Do you do you have a social networking presence? Um, Kind of. Not really. So uh, being a teacher, I'm pretty hidden. Um, but my, mm. my Twitter is at J-O-E-B-R-U-N-O-I-V. Uh, I am not. I did not know you're supposed to have secret handles for Internet things when I signed up for Twitter. So I'm kind of already an old man. Not really. Um, I'll be on when you're on if you want me on. <laughs> Thanks again to Joe Bruno. He will, of course, be back next week. Hit up cageclub.me, the Cage Club Facebook, the Cage Club Twitter, or the Now and Again Twitter at Now Again Pod for playlists, liner notes, and how you can be a part of the retro episodes. And until next week, we will catch you on the flip side. I am gonna make